Good morning, Beijing, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jana. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land we are coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. And Jono, another busy sporting weekend, and it was uh, in football. It was FA Cup weekend in England, so the fourth round took centre stage. Um, and some big upsets and some teams being pushed by uh, minnows, I guess, with uh, my United, Gorn, uh, drawing 1-1 with Middlesbrough, losing 8-7 on penalties. Cristiano Ronaldo missed a penalty um, in normal time as well. Tottenham Hotspur defeated Brighton 3-1. Manchester City defeated Fulham 4-1. Everton defeated Brentford 4-1. It was Frank Lampard's first game as Everton manager as well. Chelsea were pushed by the league, pushed by the League One Plymouth Argyle as they won 2-1. Kidminster Harrows nearly put off the upset of the cup, though. They only lost to West Ham 2-1. It was a 120-minute Jared Bowen goal to guide West Ham to win. It was the National League North Kidminster Harrow, so six leagues below West Ham United, so nearly a massive upset there. Liverpool defeated Cardiff City 3-1. Nottingham Forest knocked out defending champions Leicester City 4-1. While Bournemouth Wood from the National League defeated AFC Bournemouth from the Championship 1-0, Jono. So the FA Cup delivering some great games and some uh, big upsets. Yeah, I mean, it's the beauty of the FA Cup. You get some massive upsets. You get some massive games as well. You get teams that would... You know, normally never get this type of coverage, finally getting something. Um, and as you said as well, team from so, so far below, just being able to, to stick it to some of these Premier League clubs. I mean, I think it'd be a fantasy of some of these players. So it's great to see. Um, unfortunate for you, uh, you and the United crew, um, that you are out of the FA Cup. But you know what? You ran your course and uh, some ups and downs this year. But um, yeah, it's the beauty of the cup, seeing that some of these smaller teams really getting through and putting up some big fights. Yeah, it looks like another trophy this year for United. But in some fifth round uh, ties, Luton Town will take on Chelsea. Peterborough United will take on Manchester City. Uh, Liverpool will take on Norwich City. While uh, Boreham Wood will take on Everton at Goodison Park. So some uh, enticing fifth round games there in the FA Cup. Also over the weekend, the Munich air disaster um, was commemorated uh, in Manchester. Obviously, the tragic passing of 23 people, um, including United players um, in the 1958 air disaster on the Munich airway. Um, so obviously, a sad commemoration, always uh, always remembering those lives that were lost um, on that day. In AFCON, Jono, it was the uh, finishing of the African Cup of Nations in Cameroon and the third place playoff delivered an amazing game. Cameroon 3, Burkina Faso 3. Burkina Faso were 3-0 up with about 20 minutes to go and Cameroon somehow stormed back. A couple of uh, goalkeeper clangers by the Burkina Faso goalkeeper were probably helped as well. Cameroon ended up winning 5-3 on penalties, so a good way to end the tournament for the host nation. While in the final, it was at Sadio Mane versus Mohamed Salah. Unfortunately, the game didn't live up to the hype. It was ending nil-nil after 120 minutes. Sadio Mane, though, did miss a penalty in normal time, and, and Senegal definitely did have the better chances. But in the penalty shootout, Senegal won 4-2 to win their first ever African Cup of Nations title. Sadio Mane scored the winning penalty. So uh, a great tournament for Senegal, John, and a great end for Sadio Mane and his Senegal teammates. Yeah, I mean, huge for Senegal, and you just saw what it, it meant to them at the end of the game. I mean, it was a huge win for them. I think all tournament as well. They came in as one of the hot favorites, and they, they showed why they are the favorites there and why they deserve this as well. 
Um, they performed the whole tournament. And um, and this win really just topped it off for them. I know it went into that extra time. I do deserve, I do think that they deserve the win. They were the better team on the day. But um, hats off to Senegal, that whole squad as well. Um, Sadio Mane for putting in that fifth penalty and just banging it through, even though he missed one in the game. It could really mess with someone with with players' heads mentally sometimes. Um, but great job to Senegal. Great job to Egypt as well for getting there. I think they had a pretty good tournament. Um, probably not the best. Um, from what we've seen from Egypt in the past. But, um, yeah, this was a great, great tournament, and it was great to see Senegal take this one um, take this one home, and hopefully the future is bright for them. The focus now turns to World Cup qualification, where Mohamed Salah's Egypt are actually going to be up against Senegal. So one of those players will miss out, unfortunately. It'll be Mane or Salah. We'll see um, once the World Cup qualifications start again. In Italian Serie A, some big results. Roma nil, Genoa nil. Lazio defeated Fiorentina 3-0. AC Milan defeated Inter Milan 2-1 in the derby. Veteran French striker Olivier Giroud scored twice for Milan. Cagliari defeated Atalanta 2-1. Napoli defeated Venezia 2-0. While Juventus defeated Verona 2-0. Vlavic scoring on debut. So all that means is Inter remain top. One point ahead of both Napoli and AC Milan though with a game in hand. Uh, while Juventus have moved into four. So your boys are making a bit of a move now, Jono. I'll be interested to see once we get into that second part of the Italian season. In the Spanish La Liga, Osasuna drew 0-0 with Sevilla. Valencia and Real Sociedad drew 0-0. Barcelona defeated Atletico Madrid 4-2 in an entertaining clash. Danny Alves, an assist, a goal, and also got himself sent yeah. off. So a great game for Danny Alves. Did a bit of everything. Villarreal defeated Real Betis 2-0, while Real Madrid defeated Granada 1-0. Real Madrid extend their lead at the top to six points over Sevilla, while Barcelona move into fourth. In the German Bundesliga, Augsburg defeated Union Berlin 2-0. Bayern Munich defeated RB Leipzig 3-2, while Bayer Leverkusen demolished Borussia Dortmund 5-2. So that means Bayern Munich extend their lead at the top to nine points over Dortmund, while Bayer Leverkusen stay in third, Union Berlin sit in fourth. In the Scottish Premiership, Celtic defeated Motherwell 4-0, while Rangers defeated Hearts 5-0. Celtic still sit top one point ahead of Rangers after that old firm midweek derby win. So, Ange Postacoglu continue to do a great job over there with Celtic. In the FA Women's Super League in England, Arsenal and Manchester United drew 1-1. Chelsea defeated Manchester City 1-0. Tottenham defeated Brighton 4-0. So, Arsenal stay top, followed by Chelsea and Manchester United. In the Isuzu A-League here in Australia, Newcastle defeated Brisbane Raw 2-1. Sydney FC defeated Adelaide United 2-1. Western United defeated Western Sydney 1-0, while Wellington defeated MacArthur 3-1. Western United now sit top, followed by Sydney FC and Melbourne Victory. It was also the FFA Cup final over the weekend, John, and Melbourne Victory defeated Central Coast 2-1. Jason Davidson and Chris Economides scored for Melbourne, while Oliver Bazanic scored an injury time consolation goal for the Central Coast. It is Melbourne's second FFA Cup title, and Jono certainly um, come a long way under Tony Popovich after finishing bottom last year. They are back in the winner's circle and looking very good this year. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they need this. After a year like last year, where it was just sad to see a club at their status towards the bottom there and, and performing the way that they were, they really needed this. I think this is a great start to the, to the year for them. Um, and I think that it just shows that the future is bright. And they've really, I think, hit a spot where they can turn this around and potentially now even be, um, um, you know, going to the top there in the A-League as well. In the women's A-League here in Australia, Sydney FC defeated Brisbane Raw 2-0. Adelaide United defeated Newcastle Jets 3-0. 
Melbourne Victory defeated Wellington 2-0. Canberra United and Perth Glory played out and an entertaining 3-3 draw, while Melbourne City defeated Western Sydney 2-1. So Sydney remained top and still undefeated, followed by Melbourne City and Adelaide United. Also in some football news off the pitch, unfortunately, Ajax director of football Mark Overmars has quit the club after admitting sending inappropriate messages to female colleagues who some uh, I guess sad news coming out of Dutch football, but hopefully Ajax and Mark Overmars can move on from this uh, from this incident. In cricket, Jono, some massive news coming out of Australia. Justin Langer has stepped down as Australia's coach, uh, coming off the back of a 4-0 Ashes win. Uh, this comes after a period of time where players apparently voiced the need for change as some found Langer's intensity a little bit too much. Many of Langer's former teammates, including Ricky Ponting and Matthew Hayden, have been critical of the decision made by Cricket Australia. And I guess, Jono, it brings up the issue again. Do players have too much power, um, especially in team sports these days? Yeah, I mean, I think that we're now in an age where the players really do hold the power in particular in in choosing coaches, it seems like, and and if they're happy with them or if they're not. Um, I'll use the example of that we see in the NBA is is LeBron James seems to be able to handpick his coaches um, and essentially determine if he's happy with them or if he wants them to leave. I mean, we see that as well that, you know, it's it's um, a huge debate as well when um, Ronaldo is on the team as well in football as to who's going to be the coach and if, if Ronaldo is going to be happy with it. So I definitely think that we're now in a day and age where the players do have the power here and they're able to essentially make these decisions. So whether it's for the good or bad, um, time will tell as we've kind of stepped into this next realm of things. But definitely, I do see now the players um, do have a lot, lot more control when it comes to who is their coach and who's going to be remaining in this coaching staff. Well, the rumors are that England are circling to apparently uh, offer Justin Langer a role within their organization. So it'll be interesting to see what happens and also who is appointed the new Australian coach ahead of the big Pakistan and India tours, uh, which are on the horizon. Uh, in the women's Ashes, it was the second one-day international between Australia and England. Obviously, Australia have already wrapped up the Ashes, but uh, England were bowled out for 129 with Elise Perry taking three for 12, while Talia McGrath took three for four. Australian response, they won by five wickets, finishing on five for 131. So a pretty easy win there for Australia as they move into the third ODI against England. In the ICC Under-19 World Cup final, in the Caribbean, India defeated England by four wickets to claim their fifth under-19 World Cup title. England made 189. James Rue top score with 95, while Raj Bawa took five for 31 for India. India chased it down relatively easily as they made six for 195 with both Sheikh Rashid and Nishant Sindhu making 50s. In the first ODI between India and West Indies in India, West Indies were bowled out for 176. Use Vendra Chahal taking 4 for 49 for India, while India in response made 4 for 178. Rohit Sharma, top score for India with 60, so a comfortable win there for the Indians. In the AFL Women's League, it's week 5. Brisbane defeated Collingwood 35 to 11. Bulldogs defeated Richmond 30 points to 13. Melbourne defeated Gold Coast 38 to 26. Adelaide defeated Carlton 51-12, while North Melbourne defeated Fremantle 26-16. Adelaide sit top and undefeated, followed by Fremantle and Melbourne. In rugby, the Six Nations started over the weekend, and Ireland defeated Wales 29 points to 7. Scotland defeated England 20-17 in a bit of an upset, while France defeated Italy 37-10. In basketball, John, the NBA continued over the weekend, and Chicago... And Miami continue to lead in the East, while the Suns and Golden State lead the way in the West, while it continues to be a tight 
in the positions for the playing tournament just below. Yeah, I mean, we have about a week or so before the um, All-Star break, which will really give a big break to some of these teams. Um, I think in particular as well, the one that really needs to do some soul-searching here is Brooklyn. I mean, yes, they're still going to be a hard team to beat when it comes to the playoffs, but right now they would be in the play-in games if the playoffs started today, which just makes it that much harder. Um, nobody knows when it comes to a one-game series who's going to win. It's, it's sometimes even a coin flip. Uh, so I think they really are looking forward to this All-Star break in about a week or so to really sit back and and really relook at how um, how they need to move forward. I think Steve Nash has his hands full with that and just handling that team. But it'll be interesting to keep an eye on as we progress to the halfway point. In the NBL here in Australia, the Kings defeated the Breakers 84-65, to while the Jack Jumpers defeated Melbourne United 94-85. to So the Wildcats sit top, followed by Melbourne United, SEM, Phoenix. NFL, John, it's Super Bowl week. We'll have extensive coverage next week uh, when the Bengals take on the LA Rams. But it's, it was Pro Bowl uh, this weekend. And AFC defeated the NFC 41 points to 35. So a bit of fun in yeah. Las Vegas. In surfing, an extraordinary story out of the World Surf League. A week away from his 50th birthday, Kelly Slater won the Billabong Pro Pipeline after defeating Seth Moniz in an epic final. It was Slater's eighth win at Pipe, and he has now and has started the 2022 Championship Tour with a statement win. But an amazing win for Kelly Slater, John. And he just continues to uh, continues to amaze us. Yeah, I mean, 50 years of age to be able to produce at that level and and go up against all the youngsters essentially in his sport um, is just incredible. The way he's able to ride those waves is just is just unheard of. Um, and and it's incredible to see him keep performing at this level at that age. I mean, he's he's one of a kind, truly is. Well, Jono, um, this week also signaled the start of the Winter Olympics in Beijing. I don't think I've ever seen an Olympics shrouded in so much controversy in the lead-up. Uh, Beijing actually became the first city to host both the Summer and Winter Olympics. Obviously, remember the 2008 Summer Olympics, which Beijing hosted. But much of the controversy has um, centered around China's human rights record, and more specifically the treatment of over a million people from the Muslim Ugaia minority and other Muslim minorities um, who have been incarcerated in re-education camps in Xinjiang. The other issue that's continued to rumble on is Peng Shui, um, obviously the disappearance of her, um, obviously the videos that surfaced of her saying she is okay. There's been one that recently surfaced uh, with a French uh, media organization as well stating that she is fine and she has been fine throughout this period. Uh, the president of the IOC, Thomas Bach, also played down any lingering concerns about Shui's well-being, um, even though it is still thought she's being heavily censored um, by Chinese media. Uh, the campaign we also saw um, at the Australian Open, where dozens of fans wore shirts with the slogan, Where is Peng Shui? Um, obviously, her disappearance occurred after she spoke out um, over sexual harassment allegations against a former Chinese vice president. But Jono, how have you seen the start of the Winter Olympics? We'll go on to some of the um, great athletic moments that have occurred as well. But in terms of the controversy that shrouded it in the lead-up, how have you seen the, the start of the Winter Olympics in Beijing? Yeah, I mean, I, I find it quite sad and disappointing, essentially, that, that it's it's gotten to this point. I mean, it, it's even gotten to this point just for, for going on, in a sense, as well. Um, when you have something that is such a controversial uh, parts leading up to it, um, you really question yourself, should this actually be going ahead? Now, not taking away at all from the individual athletes and, and what, all the everything that goes into them, this is more on the Olympic Committee um, and more for them really needing to make sure that there are some actions done from China's side. Um, 
and some light needs to be shed on everything that's been happening. I mean, it's it's quite crazy. Um, all the controversy that just continues to happen. It really questions, you know, firstly, should they have gotten in the first place? Because it's it's not like that there hasn't been problems going on in China before. Secondly, should it have been pulled from them? You know, there, there's places that would have been, you know, still logistically would have been a nightmare, but still been ready to host this. Um, so it, it really comes to question, you know, how, how, how could the Olympic Committee have done better um, in handling this? But now that we're here, it's just sad to see the constant controversy surrounding it and the lack of, um, essentially, the, the lack of um, want to try and mend things from China's side. Instead, they just want to censor and cover up a lot, it seems like. Well, the IOC has certainly come in for its fair share of criticism in the lead-up to the Olympics in regards to how quiet they have been. We saw how active the WTA were with the whole Peng Shui issue in terms yep. of pulling tournaments out of China. Um, also, in the lead-up, we saw countries such as the USA and, and Australia uh, take on a diplomatic boycott of the Games, and India has become the latest country uh, at the 11th hour to pull its diplomatic diplomats from the games uh this was in response to the selection of one of china's torchbearers Kol kui fabo who was a military commander involved in deadly clashes between the two nations back in 2020 where at least 20 indian troops and four chinese soldiers were killed so Jono, i think um as always as, as we sort of said before sport and politics do clash and, and i think when it comes to something such as hosting an olympics or hosting a a big world event I think it is important to think about who is hosting it and who is representing um, those athletes who are, who are there to compete and also what is happening in that country in regards to an Olympics or a World Cup or any of these big world events should be a celebration of humankind. And if there's a part of humanity which is being suppressed within that country, then it needs to be seriously looked at in regards to is that country fit to be able to host an event which is actually meant to be celebrating um, humanity and, and the bringing together of all cultures, religions, um, sexuality, regardless of, of what um, an individual may choose. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you, you said it right there that this is supposed to be a celebration. It's a celebration of all, um, not to be left out by any. I mean, and, and you really need to look at then who is actually hosting this celebration. Um, and I think that's what's been really poorly handled in this situation. Um, it's... It, it comes down to the fact of just not really vetting going through the whole process and, and really looking at it closely. And it's really unfortunate because now these athletes, you know, have to go out there and, and try and perform, but knowing what has kind of followed in, in the back of their mind this whole time as well. Um, but yeah, this, this should be a celebration, but it definitely does not feel like it is a celebration in particular, the build up to this. Um, it's just it's just been sad when when you have the Olympics, something that only comes around every you know four years. It should really be this big thing that comes around, but instead it's almost been you know it, it needs to be not you don't want to talk about it because you know it's it's just steaming with controversy at this point. So really sad to see. And talking about athletes in a really another odd statement uh, made by by China and, and obviously the IOC hasn't really come out and, and said anything about it as well as being warning athletes not to protest. So yeah. for athletes to pretty much shut up and compete is pretty much what has been told to them. So that's come down from the China, oh, from Yang Shu, uh, who is the Deputy General of Beijing's 2022 International Relations Department. Um, he said that any protesters uh, would be violating the Olympic spirit and Chinese law and could be subjected to unspecified punishment by the host country. So Jono, that immediately uh, 
I guess, puts a red flag for for athletes and, and I guess for them, um, if they do protest in any way, a, a concern around how that will be handled and what would happen to them. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's just them, them threatening. Um, these are threatening words and it's threats being put out to the athletes for wanting to speak up. Um, I think it's rightfully so for them to want to speak up. I mean, they, as we said, it's riddled with controversy. You know, they want to support each other. They want to support what's right for humanity. Um, and for China to come out and essentially threaten these athletes with, with punishment is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I actually really think that the Olympic Committee should be saying something back to China to, be, to, to show them that that's wrong to suppress the voices of these athletes. Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely going to be a developing story that we need to keep an eye on because it'll be interesting to see if there are some athletes that do start coming out and do protest against things. Um, but it, it definitely would be something scary to come up against China in that sense. And that's the thing, John. I think, I think all countries, Western countries as well, have their own humanitarian issues and, and no country does it perfectly. But what you do probably find in, in maybe a more westernized country is the ability for people to be able to talk up and feel like they're not going to be censored. Obviously, in China, it's a lot harder. They've got yep. their own social media streams um, and it's a lot more controlled by the government. Yes, there are issues with censorship and, and whatnot in, in say, for Australia and, and the US, but you also get the sense that people are able to, to protest and speak up if there are injustices um, within the country and especially against... Um, certain people so i think that's a major issue when it comes to dealing with china the other issue is is the media that travels over there their ability to be able to report on stories like that and how much are they going to be censored obviously they're not going to be able to ask athletes um in terms of the questions they're going to ask them whether or not they will raise any of those humanitarian issues which are surrounding the olympics um so i just think that is a a sad part of this Olympics where, yes, we're there to celebrate these athletes, but we should also be reporting on, on what's happening with those yeah. human rights in and around the Olympics because that is a lot more important than any athletic performance that, that may be celebrated. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Now, you even point out as well, the media and these athletes now have to have to live in this fear of, of what they're saying. Um, you know, we, we want for them to be able to voice their opinions no matter what. Um, when you protest, that's sometimes what leads and institutes change as well. So to, to have your voice suppressed, then there's no way, no room for change. Again, that's my biggest thing as well, is that the lack of want for, for China to change, to step up and, and make right for their wrongdoings is the sad part about this. And now that they've been able, that, that essentially they, that they are suppressing the voices of these athletes as well. It's just, it's just ridiculous that, um, that these things are occurring. Well, we'll see how it continues obviously these stories will rumble on um in the background so we'll see how they reported on it and whether or not um we do get some more coverage of it but looking at something a little bit brighter we'll look at some of the results at the olympics so far we have seen some outstanding um performances so far we'll start with jakara anthony uh who won the first gold for australia at this women's oh this winter olympic she she got gold in the women's moguls competition, so she sealed a gold with a score of 83.09. Jaylene Kauf grabbed silver for the US, while rock athlete Anastasia Smirnova finished third. So an outstanding achievement by Jakara Anthony John, and she's been um, she's been at the top of the game for a little bit now, and she's been threatening to do something special, and that's what she's done. Yeah, I mean when you when you have the stage, um, the stage is set, and there you go. Um, that's exactly what she was able to do. It's it's great to see um, her be able to take that silverware home. And some great performances as well all throughout um, with, with this um, event. 
Zoe Sadowski Sinot um, also had a big one. She won New Zealand's first ever Winter Olympics gold medal in the women's snowboard slope style competition. Quite an amazing last one where she scored a oh. 92. And her fellow athletes just absolutely, they all came out and hugged. It was actually a great scene where they really celebrated um, her amazing performance. Uh, USA's Julia, Julia Marino won silver. While in other great news for Australia, Tess Cody got Australia's first medal of the Games and she claimed bronze. But um, an outstanding competition there, Jono, and, and all three of those athletes uh, were amazing on the day. Yeah, near-perfect run there from Zoe. And again, just amazing to think the first ever for New Zealand as well gold medal there um, for the Winter Olympics. That That's an incredible um, achievement by her. And again, just pure greatness from, from, from that run down there. That That's why you have that scene of all the athletes celebrating because... When you have greatness in front of you, you need to celebrate it. And that really encapsulated what the Olympic spirit should, should be, be about. Yeah. So that was a great scene considering um, what how the lead-up has been. Yep. Also, not so much medal news, but in some amazing news, Aussie curling team Talia Gill and Dean Hewitt, who compete in the mixed curling competition, uh, completed an amazing turnaround after looking like they may be sent home due to a positive COVID test. But on the 11th hour, decision to allow Gill to leave hotel quarantine um allowed Gill and Hewitt back into the competition. Then they got Australia's first win in curling as they beat 2018 Olympic silver medalist Switzerland 9-6. So, Jono, not a medal here, but just an amazing achievement considering what they had been through in the lead-up. Yeah, I mean, I think like mentally there, uh, to switch off, be angry that you're going to be sent home, and then to be able to switch back on and be able to get a win is just absolutely incredible. So that's a huge achievement for them. Whether a medal or not, that's an achievement on its own, being able to switch off and switch back on and be ready um, for your event. is just absolutely incredible. In regards to the medal tally, Norway are leading with two goals, while Sweden are sitting in second on two goals as well, and Rock are sitting in third on one goal. So... There were plenty, I'm sure, plenty more great athletic moments um, over the Winter Olympics. As I said, we'll be interested to see how those other issues rumble on in behind. But Jono, as always, we'll end with five quick questions I'm asking you this week. Ready to go? Let's do it. All right. So in light of Senegal winning the AFCON 2022 championships, is Sadio Mane the best African player at the at this moment in time after helping Senegal to their first AFCON glory Oof. and title? He's, um, I mean, he's always definitely up there. Um, I would say if you look at current form based on, on this tournament, uh, I would, I would tip him, um, for what he does for Liverpool as well as what he was able to bring into this tournament was just absolutely incredible. Um, you know, you have his counterpart there at Liverpool as well as probably, you know, neck and neck with him as well, Salah. But um, I think he just out outshined him. I think Mane outshined him a little bit um, in this tournament and just really, just just wanted it that much more and just performed that much better for Senegal in comparison to, to Salah's. As great as he did for Egypt, I think you could just see the fire um, in Mane's eyes. So for that reason, right now, I'll tip him, but there's just so many great players um, representing that nation as well. And it's scary that Liverpool have been winning without both those players. Yeah. They're still to come back, so it should be a very intriguing uh, second half of the European season as well. UFC 271 next weekend, Jono. It's Robert Whittaker versus Israel Adesanya. They fought before. It is Israel Adesanya defeated Whittaker. He's, he said he's coming back better and he's a better fighter now. But who wins? The Australian Whittaker or the New Zealander Israel Adesanya? Oh, I mean, you can't go against Adesanya. He's just, he's just different. I mean, he's built different. His mentality is different. He always puts on a bit of a show. Um, 
I, 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 I love what he does for the sport as well. He, he brings in a whole nother element. So I'm going to, I'm going to tip him there. Um, because just just based off of his character, basically. <laughs> yeah, whether or not you like UFC, you have to acknowledge the um, amazing athlete that Adesanya oh, yeah. is. So uh, it'll be hopefully a great fight Sunday, um, Australian time. Uh, we touched on him before, Boreham Wood from the National League in England. Can they cause an even greater upset and defeat Everton at Goodison Park in the fifth round? Oof, it would it would be big, but that's the magic of the FA Cup. Um I, you know, I, th- I think there's a little bit of life there to Everton. As much as this season might be a bit of a write-off, they've had some, you know, big changes here um, as of recent. So I think that there might be some light there. That being said, uh, if, if you would have asked me this maybe a month or so ago, I would have said it probably it could happen. But right now, I think they're going to go on that positive momentum. And I think that the, they'll be able to progress Everton. Um, but I'd love to see a bit of an upset, though, too. That would be fantastic to see. Hopefully they can compete and they'll, uh, they might have give Everton a bit of a scare. But as I said, that bounce factor from Lampard yeah, coming yeah. in could even see Everton maybe make a deep, in running, deep run in the FA Cup. Uh, obviously, on the back of Leicester's shock loss to Nottingham Forest, will Brendan Rodgers see out the year as Leicester City's manager? It's probably the first time we've even, even talked about whether Brendan Rodgers... Yeah, I mean, I, I tipped them as top four this year um, going into the season. Um Look, I, I would love to let, I would love for him to see it out. I'm I'm someone who wants you know a manager to stay through thick and thin for the most part, um, unless it's going catastrophically bad. Now, I would say for Leicester, it's getting to to a little bit of panic time, um, but it would be really good if he can see out um, at least a little bit longer to see if he can at least you know redeem himself a bit from those early season struggles. Um, but in today's day and age, managers get sacked left, right, and center, so I wouldn't be shocked if it happens, but I really would like to see him see this out. Yeah, he's, they've had a few injuries, and he does have a little bit of money in the bank, obviously, after the FA Cup triumph last year and, and finishing fifth last year, so he has done a good job there, but um, we're interested to see how uh, Leicester City's year goes. And the final one is Kelly Slater, after that amazing win, the greatest competing athlete in world sport at the moment considering his age a week away from 50 and he's still at the top of his game in the surfing league i mean hey tom brady's now retired there's there's someone there's someone else out there as well competing at that that age bracket so i mean i'll I'll give it to him what he's able to do is just absolutely incredible um at his age almost 50 years older let's just call him 50 years old right now and still winning um is absolutely incredible hats off to him no matter the sport to be able to compete with that long of a lifespan is just absolutely incredible at that level. So, Kelly Slater, you're the man. Yeah, it's going to be amazing to see how he goes this year uh, in the rest of the world surf league. Well, that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonna. As always, thank you for your support and good night.